right, folks, good day and welcome to episode 15 of Growing Your Successful Business, the podcast all about uh, small and medium-sized business. We talk about all kinds of things week to week. Um, this week, we have a super cool guest, Abby Cates. I can't wait for you to meet her. Um, before we get to that, I'll just remind you all, if you're listening to this, you might want to stop and check out our uh, website, which is growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com or brianlharding.com. There's all kinds of cool links on there to different ways to, to listen to past episodes of this podcast and things like that. Um, you can always shoot me an email at brian at brianlharding.com. And uh, don't be f- afraid to tell a friend or a coworker or a family member about our little podcast here. About uh, It's all kinds of free business advice. So if you have a business or you're thinking about starting a business or um, you know, you're 20 years in and want some fresh new ideas, this is a great place to get some, some good content from some real experts here. So... Uh, today we have Abby Cates. She's the owner of the Flip Food Company. You can reach Abby at Abby, A-B-B-I-E, at FlipFoodCompany.com, or you can just go right to the website, flip, FlipFoodCompany.com, and check out what they're all about. And if you're wondering what Flip is, Flip Food Company makes healthy food convenient with frozen meals that are easy to cook and delicious to devour. They've carefully created their fir- uh, fast and fabulous foods to be delicious and easy to eat while you bounce around doing what you do best, being you. With many options, including gluten-free, vegan, and vegetarian, uh, many of which are priced at around $6 per serving, there's no need for food to slow you down. So go to Flip Food Company today and check it out. So welcome, Abby. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, So uh, for folks listening at home, um, you've got a pretty interesting story. Uh, We'll get to that for sure. Uh, You've been, Flip Food Company has been around for, uh, in different iterations now for about three years. Is that right? Yep. So it started out as Knife, Fork, Spoon? That's correct. Right? And then you, cha- you rebranded and changed it to Flip Food Company. Um, and we'll talk a, b- a little bit about that in a little bit as well. But b- you didn't start out growing up in the food industry. Um, 13 years at the Bremerton Naval Shipyards as a nuclear engineer. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're, now you're cooking for folks and freezing it and selling it to them at home. So, That's right. So take us through this. So h- first of all, how do you become a nuclear engineer? And then how do you segue from that into food delivery? Well, you become a nuclear engineer because you realize that you finish engineering school and you don't really want to grow up yet. Okay. But you have to start getting a job yeah, yeah, and get doing paid, yeah. something. So um, I went to the school of mines, like a whole M-I-N-E-S, not a mime, Okay. Um, in Colorado. And the shipyard recruits there. Okay. So I ended up getting a job and they train you to do everything you need to do, which was wonderful because my background is chemical engineering, not nuclear. Okay. Um, and then when I was there, it was a wonderful job. I mean, not many people can say they stand on the head of a nuclear reactor and do right. work on a daily basis. Yeah. So it was phenomenal. Sure. And camaraderie that transcends all camaraderie because you're really working with people in very high, you know, high pressure situations. Right. Um, but I have three kids. And after my first was born, my sister left about five weeks of food in the freezer. And I thought, wow, this is a game changer because I'm a new mom, but right. I'm still a little tiny bit sane yeah. because food is very simple. And then three years later, we had twins. Okay. And we weren't planning to have twins. So it was a really big surprise. And I had been giving gifts, the gift of food to people when they were having babies. Right. And the joke got to be, just call Abby, invite her to your baby shower. She'll give you food. You don't need anything else. Right. And I said to my husband one day, why am I doing this? Why am I giving my food away? I could be selling it. Sure. And he said, figure it out. And so it took me about 18 months to figure out. Okay. And I figured out all the licensing and all the paperwork and submitted a couple hundred page document to the county and built a commercial kitchen in Gig Harbor. And off we went. And we, uh, <laughs> we have learned 
and grown and figured it out ever since then. It's just been, you know, the ride of a lifetime. Right. And that's yeah. how I got here. Okay. So so you were taking some time off for maternity leave, is that right? Or you were deciding you were done working? Um, well, both. I decided I was done working about three years into my career. Okay. <laughs> but I had to keep paying the bills. Yeah, yeah. So over that time, I just took note of if I could do it differently, what would I do? But I also had a really great job with a really great career. So I didn't want to just walk away from that right. until I knew the time was right. And then after the girls were born, I spent about 18 months doing all the back work to figure yeah. it out. And then I literally knew the day that it was right, I went home to said to my husband, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to quit. Okay. And he was, that was his response. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. How did we get here? Yeah. And he, su- he has supported me every step of the way That's through fantastic. every hill and every valley. And here we are. So you open up as Knife Fork Spoon Correct. in early 2016, is that right? Uh, January 17. January 2017, okay. And then um, you do that for a while, and then uh, July 2018, you rebranded to the Flip Food Company. I did. Why did you do that? Um, a couple of reasons. I The word Knife Fork Spoon really resonated with me, but it was confusing for people. Right. Because the table, and I did that on purpose, because the table is not set a knife, a fork, and a spoon. Right. So I was traditional yet unconventional. Okay. But that's tough for the human brain. Yeah. And so people couldn't figure out the website and they couldn't figure out the name of the company. Gotcha. And I just decided that the, also the longer I'd been in the food industry, the more I realized there's a lot of things that have room for improvement. Right. And so I wanted to be, instead of waiting for someone else to be the catalyst for change, I just decided I don't have to sit back and wait. I can be the catalyst. So one day at a time, I can just start to flip the industry on its head. Right. And that's where the name came from. So that's quite an undertaking that you're talking about there, changing an entire industry that's been around as long as people have been around. <laughs> well, yes. And I don't <laughs> I don't have any un- any false impressions that I'm going to change the entire industry right, tomorrow. Right, right, right. But, I mean, there's so many people in this small area. If we can just impact one person a day at a time sure. and show them. And so my that's part of the conversation we'll have about bringing local food in. Right. You know. It tastes amazing. And right. what can we do to support our local economy with local food and local small businesses? Sure. So for most folks, when they think about buying frozen food and having it delivered, they're, pic- they're picturing something that's full of all kinds of stuff that they can't pronounce, they don't want to eat. Yes. And I'm guessing that that's not your, your that, model. Nope. That's not our model at all. We make things just like you would, sliced and diced and prepped. And then instead of putting them in the oven, we put them in the freezer. Okay. And the freezer that we have is a beast. So it cools things off really quickly so the quality is maintained. Good. And then you just take it home, and we've designed everything through a lot of iterations. My kids will tell you that test recipes aren't always their favorite. Right. Uh, just to cook from frozen. Yeah. So you literally take the lid off and put it in the oven or just dump it on the stovetop, and dinner's ready. Wow, fantastic. That, no, that's that's uh, super good. I mean, people are, are working more hours now than probably ever. Uh, they're multitasking now more than ever, um, especially, you know, having kids that, you know, if you, if you got – a kid who's past the age of seven, you're either going to soccer games or t-ball games or dance recitals or, you know, that, that's kind of your life from, you know, age six to age 12 True. is just being the chauffeur and, and a butt in a seat to watch a performance that you've already seen 37 times. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so cooking dinner, it kind of gets put to the wayside, of course, and folks are eating at places, you know, fast food and stuff like that that they then go step on the scale four days later and regret and you're trying to figure out how to bridge that gap. 
Is that right? That's true. And not only do you regret it when you step on the stale scale, but your brain feels it and your body feels it. So when you eat the fast food, you just don't feel yeah. quite as good. Well, this is super awesome. So, I mean, and, and I, again, as I was reading earlier, when I was looking at your website, you know, things are like six bucks a serving. That's, that's yeah, for you know, our microwave so it's not, line, they are. It's not uh, super expensive. You're going to spend that if you went and got a, a burger and fries and a milkshake. You're going to spend more than that. Absolutely. Um, so the pricing is, is right. So that's really good. So you, you go from being a nu- nuclear engineer and very analytical job to now taking on the world of food. Correct. Um, you open your doors in uh, January 2017. What were those first few months like? So you, you had it all figured out. You'd spend your 18 months doing research. You knew exactly what you needed to do. And then uh, you open the doors and orders just came flying in, I'm guessing, right? <laughs> well, actually, I had a test group to help me. I did a practice week to see what the whole thing looked like. So that first week, I did have orders flying in because right. I'd staged everything yeah, to yeah. work out that way. Sure. And then all of the things that I hadn't anticipated happened. Right. You know, when you buy a can of beans, you need two cans of beans for one pound of this. And so nothing's a one for one. Right. So figuring out all those nuances of, oh, now I've got extra of this. How do I use that in what recipe? Right. And so that turned into a, a fairly interesting dance sure. that I had not anticipated at all. Okay. Um, so then you, now you had the storage issue, but the purchasing quantities and, and all that kind of stuff to figure out. And it takes money to buy right. food inventory. Yes, yes. And it does take money to do all this, doesn't <laughs> it? It does take money. So just figuring out how that all worked and all the startup costs. You know, building a commercial kitchen right. went over budget and over schedule, just like many things do. So you 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 come through engineering school. Yes. Obviously, pretty smart person to figure that, all that out and get well, through there. Um, you set. literally are standing on nuclear warheads and and changing the world there. And then you go to running a small business, and I imagine you walked in thinking, "I got this figured out. This can't be that hard." Absolutely. And then you figured out it can be that hard, right? <laughs> I did, and. I still think that the shipyard prepared me in many ways to be successful, but one of the things that I learned is when you network in the government, you're in a very closed community. It's not the same as networking when you're a business owner. Right. And so going to networking events had a completely different feeling and a different flair than they had done or had felt when I was working at the government. So that was a whole new ball of wax of how do you talk about what you do because now you're not the only person in the country that does this. Right. Now you suddenly have to actually market your business and share with people and be concise and succinct. And and do all that stuff in 30 seconds and tell them all the great things about your company. Exactly. And so that blew my mind. That was the first thing. And then the other thing was just... In general, working with people, it was very different to work with the public and the general customer than it was to work with the public who's the government. Right. And so, you know, when a customer walks to the door and they don't like your food, do you have that thought of, oh my gosh, I need to do what's right for the customer, but that was $18. Right. And holy cow, what do I do now? And so that was a really interesting learning curve also. Sure. Of just that balance. Um, And there were just other weird, funny you know, in retrospect, yeah. things that crop up that you realize I had done a ton of public speaking and standing in front of a room in a networking group is not the same right. public speaking as when you're standing in front of a room of government employees. Yeah, and you're doing your PowerPoint presentation <laughs> to the government about uh, why we're going to check this box and then fill this order and we're going to do this. And then now you're now you're talking to folks about your baby. 
Yeah. And if they don't like your baby, they're calling your baby ugly, and nobody likes to have an ugly baby, right? And nobody likes to look at PowerPoint either. <laughs> so right. now you have an ugly baby on your PowerPoint slide. Right. It's just, a, you know, it's all those little things that pulled together. So I really felt very, very prepared mm -hmm. to enter the entrepreneurial space. And I look back now, almost three years later, and realize I was completely unprepared. Right. And it's just, you know, I laughed when the uh, one of the Pierce County building departments had said, well, we need to have a white paper written about that. I, oh, that's easy. I know how to write white papers. So there right. were things yeah. that were really great fits. But by and large, it was a wild transition. Right. So the good news is for you that I don't know very many, if any, entrepreneurs that didn't go exactly through that, sa through that exact same process of thinking you had it all figured out. You're prepared enough to risk your mortgage and your house and your family life. And you're, you're, prepared, you're, you're as prepared as you think you need to be because you're going to risk all this stuff. And then 13 days in, you find out you don't know what the hell you're doing, right? <laughs> that was kind of it, yes. <laughs> yeah. So how was, how was that for you? I mean, how were you able to get through that? Um, well, for one, my husband is absolutely supportive. Awesome. And so he's not interested in being part of the business or learning. That's not his forte, nor is it his right. skill set. But he's willing to support me. And Good. so he takes care of those little people that we call kids. And yeah. he feeds them. And he lets me go do what I need to do in the evenings. Perfect. Which is... Go talk to a girlfriend over a glass of wine who owns a business that can right. tell me real life, no kidding, what it's actually about. Sure. And so that's probably been the biggest piece for me is just knowing who my network is mm -hmm. and how I go tap into them to get the right questions answered when I need it. And sometimes they show up at the most, in the most improbable places right. where you realize that my kids go to a school and the head of school, she happens to be a businesswoman because she runs a school. Right. And I had an employee problem one day and I said, oh. I have a question. Yeah. And she gave me great advice. So it's just knowing those people and taking advantage of those opportunities. Sure. Yeah. It's it's amazing that, you know, it, again, we, in our experience, we, we just call it like the path we've been put on. Yes. Uh, because there's many times where the, the, the organization is running you. You're not running the organization. And things just happen. You have no idea why. And they're, and they're oftentimes very lucky things that um, completely change your trajectory and change your likelihood of success and things like that. Yes. Um, it's, so, yeah, one of the things we talked about very early on in this podcast is um, growing your network. Because if you have a very small sphere of folks you can bounce ideas off of, you've got a very small amount of ideas. Correct. Um, and you just don't have that much experience where, you know, if you have a, a big network of folks, you can you can do all that stuff. So, um, so then a year in or so, roughly a year, year and a half in, you decide to rebrand because of the complications with the name and all that kind of stuff. How was that for you? It was exhilarating. I would recommend before anyone decides to rebrand, they take a really hard look at what they're doing. Right. Because it is a major pain in the yeah. rear end from an L&I perspective, from a Department of Revenue perspective, from all of those entities that you have to work with. Yep. And then the public. I had someone send me a note the other day that I has purchased food for a while. And he said, tell me how my fork, spoon, and flip food company are different. I said, only the name. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh. You know, for a year, we've been talking, or I thought that I'd been talking about this on social media and in my emails, and apparently not. Yeah. So just one of those things of, you know, if I could go back, I might not do it. I might just have stay thought. Stay the course. Yeah. Stay the course and just think about a different way to promote what I already had instead of trying Right. Something different. It's interesting with the, a name of a business. So our company is called The Plumbing and Drain Company. And we did that intentionally. We wanted to sound like we'd been around for 100 years because we'd only been around for six days. Uh -huh. And we wanted folks to feel comfortable calling us. And, and so there was very deliberate, um, a very deliberate method in picking our name. 
we didn't consider was things like filling out applications. If your email address is brian at theplumbinganddraincoat.com, that's, you know, 27 characters or whatever it is, and you have room for 13. And it's a very long name to remember. And it's, 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 uh, there's a tons of things that go into names, uh, picking a name for business and branding and then rebranding or whatever that, yes. that are, are much trickier uh, after you start actually applying those things than in the beginning. Um, so when I talked to you last week, we had a pretty interesting conversation that we were talking about, you know, hey, you know, tell me, I was asking you to tell me about your path. What are successes? What are, what are some things that uh, you wish you could do over again? And you've got a really interesting perspective on quote unquote failure. Why don't you, why don't you share that with us? So part of that rebrand, I also opened a second location in Tacoma. My first one's in, in Gig Harbor. So the second one in Tacoma, and I changed what I was doing. I offered fresh food there. So I had frozen in Gig Harbor, fresh in Tacoma. And I did a ton of market research and a ton of data that said everything should be a boom. Right. I mean, it just should be beautiful. And after five months, I realized it wasn't what I had anticipated. Yeah. And so I had to take As a far look. as the customers weren't there or the, or the... The customers weren't there. The relationships I'd anticipated with local vendors weren't what I had anticipated. Gotcha. Just okay. the whole picture that I had created in my brain mm -hmm. just wasn't coming to fruition. And after much soul searching and many tears, I realized, you know what, I just have to close. And so it was at that point, which was one of the most challenging professional decisions I've ever had to make because right. it's the largest piece of humble pie yeah. I've ever eaten. There's sure. nothing like opening a business and then a few months later closing it right. after you've done a ton of marketing yeah. and telling people this is what you're going to do. And so I took a step back because it was really a pivotal point in my life. And f after you know being able to see through the snot and tears on my face, yeah. Um, I, that thought of I'm a failure, I really had to reframe that because I was focusing on what I had lost right. versus what the solution was and where I was going. And I just kind of wiped the slate clean with the thought of success and failure and just decided to call it an experience. And it's what I learned from it and how I reacted to it that really deem whether or not it's a success or a failure. Right. And so from that store here in Tacoma, I launched a lunch line that I never would have had. It never would even have crossed my mind to right. do. So the store itself looks like a failure because it closed. But what I learned from the store and the relationships I created with local food producers make the whole thing a success. Right. And so it was just, it kind of blew my mind as I started to churn on this idea for the first month of what looks like from the outside to not be great was actually phenomenal. And from the outside, expanding to a second location after a year looks like you're doing really well. But... Mm -hmm actually, maybe it wasn't the best choice. Right. So that could be categorized as a failure. And so, you know, it's all about perspective yeah. and how you look at it and how you categorize it. And I just decided I'm done with these words. I'm just going to call it an experience and really take the positive aspect of everything right. and move forward and see what happens. Yeah. So when, when one of the things uh, when, you, when you start out uh, with anything in life, not just running a business, but um, we tend to default to a binary uh, result approach. It was either successful or it was not successful. Good or bad. It was yep. good or bad. Yep. Uh, especially men. Uh, you know, we, we have like four emotions, you know, hungry, <laughs> happy, unhappy. I won't say what the fourth one is, but uh, we, we're, we're pretty simple creatures. People in general are pretty simple creatures at heart. You know, I either feel good about this or I don't feel good about this. And uh, so when we, we open a second story you're in, and that feels really good, and you want to do those things, and so your your vision is completely blurred by wanting that success versus w deciding what is best, when is best, all that kind of stuff. And that's something that people fight, of course, not just in business, but especially in business. Mm -hmm. um, you want to be able to tell 
your spouse and your friends that, hey, things are going well, and look what we did this. I opened a second location in your case or, um, you know, whatever. Uh, and it's hard to be super objective about that and learn the pace that you're supposed to do that stuff in. And then when you do it, to have it closed down, we then would immediately, most of us would default to, okay, that was bad. Mm-hmm. That was not a success. I lost money. I lost all the time that I was devoting to that. I could have been devoting to this other thing that was successful. And it's a it's a huge gift to be able to come away from those things saying it wasn't good or bad. It was an experience. It got me here. And now I have this much more experience. I didn't go bankrupt. I can still afford to operate. So unless you go bankrupt in business, um, any experience is, is good. Yes. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think it's, it's a healthy thing for folks to take a look at. It, you know, we're, you're going to try things that aren't going to work. Uh, if you don't, you're never going to grow. It, so, I think that's what I learned the most from things that didn't work. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's when, whenever I bring folks on here to this podcast, uh, as I prep them, I always say, listen, we don't want this to be a negative podcast where we just dwell on failure. But people learn more from failure than they do success. So they're going to say hooray about your success. Bring three of those, but bring 12 of failures because that's where we're all really going to pay attention and learn, right? Absolutely. Well, and they rock you a lot harder. Right. You know, you're going to pay if everything's glorious and there's unicorns and the balloons are floating, you just tend to be a lot more complacent yeah. than when you're sitting in your car thinking, oh my God, I'm not even prepared for this meeting. I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, what all, what all those <laughs> negative thoughts that we create are. So it's so much right. easier to take that and move it to a place of learning. Right. And all the balloons and unicorns. So, so you said that after you, you closed down this location, which you had poured your heart and soul into, you, yep. you'd done all the research, the stars were supposed to align, they didn't. Yep. And you have to close that thing. And you made a decision to um, not look at it as a failure, but look at, to it, look at it as an experience. Curious how you just flipped that switch. I think a lot of folks could, would, would love to hear how you just decide one day, I'm not going to call this a failure anymore, and, well, and uh, this is going to be an experience, and I'm just moving on. <laughs> Well, it, it took a solid few weeks for the switch to flip, but I think the moment that happened for me is I have a friend who I, I'm so blessed to have her in my life, and I called her, and she said to me, in no uncertain terms, you are focusing on the problem, not the solution. Until you choose to focus on the solution, I do not want to hear from you. Nice. And that was it. And that was the end of the conversation. And I'm, I'm speechless. I'm still sobbing. I can't see, hardly see her phone through yeah. the snot on my face and the tears to dial right. her phone number. And that's all she had to say to me. Nice. That's a great and friend. It's a wonderful friend. Yeah. And I was super, super pissed. Yeah, of course. When I hung up that phone. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she felt it across the miles. Yeah. But she also told me exactly what I needed to hear. Right. And so that was the moment where I thought, you're right. I can focus on... I have to call this vendor and tell them that, and I have to close this account. And all these ne- what things that felt negative, mm-hmm. or, hey, now I can go back to Gig Harbor and focus on the frozen food that I know a whole lot better than the fresh food. And there's this opportunity that I've been trying to get with the frozen food business that I haven't had the time to do. And so after you know, those couple of weeks, it was those words that sealed the deal for me. Of, right. I can sit and crawl under the rock and hope I, can, hope I die, but yeah. I probably won't. Because I'm not going to be that lucky in this situation. I have to learn something. Or I can take a new perspective. Mm -hmm. And my husband said to me, the day that I changed my perspective, oh, my God, it feels so much better here at home. You're a different person. The kids weren't grumpy anymore. I was less grumpy because it's transition. (laughs) Sure. But it had such a a profound impact on all of us that it became that moment where I realized I had to redefine how I chose, what lens I chose to look through my life with. Right. And so, you know, again, when you're the business owner, you take on responsibilities that are outside of just making numbers, makes, making sure numbers make sense and making sure you're pricing things appropriately and you're marketing well. 
you are the leader of the organization. Absolutely. And so the only person in the organization who doesn't have the luxury of focusing on the problem and not the solution is the business owner. Correct. Uh, employees have that luxury, mm -hmm. um, and many um, take advantage of that <laughs> um, and focus on that a lot. But the but the owner can't, and for a variety of reasons. One, you're going to be stuck in a rut, like you were saying. Uh, but two, if you have employees, who the hell wants to follow somebody who's focused on the problem all the time? Nobody. Right? Nobody. You're, you're never going to You're never going to keep a good employee if all you are is a naysayer walking around talking about how screwed up everything is and how this should have been this way and too bad that wasn't that way. Um, you can't. You don't have that luxury of of having that outlook and having that thought, even. Uh, or if you do have that thought, certainly not expressing it. Mm -hmm. um, no, there's no question. You're going to have things that are going to happen that are uh, not joyful, and you know transparency is is important with that stuff uh, when you have employees. But um, you've got to you've got to get yourself out of the rut, and you got to be the leader. You got to be the one to, to strap on your boots and just get to work. And let's let's yeah, didn't turn out the way we wanted to. We want to fix it though. Yep, that's the yeah. truth. Yeah. So you went through a few week mourning process. You got slapped <laughs> upside the head by your friend. Yeah. Again, great friend. Uh, not not I don't know a whole lot of folks who, who are willing to to risk the their feelings of the friend to really say what they need to be say what they need to hear. Shows me how so, much she cares. Yeah. No, that's that, that's uh, that's fantastic. And, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, having a circle of people and your network and things like that. That's one of the things your network can do for you. Also, Absolutely. if you're around successful people and you're exposing yourself to that, at some point they're going to say, Quit bitching and get to work. <laughs> yeah, pull your head out of your ass. <laughs> right, Move on. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, that's that's a uh, invaluable tool to have for sure. So now, as you go through things, you, you've also taken this burden off yourself of having to, to have this feel good result on everything you try. Yes. Now you've accepted. Okay, there's going to be failures. It's not a again unless it bankrupts you. That would be bad, obviously, and then mm -hmm. nothing else matters after that. But short of something like that happening. Um, you can, you're okay now trying things and having a less than desirable result, but really extracting the learning lessons from that. So how do you go through the process of doing that? So you, you mentioned trying the, the lunch food line, which never would happen. That's a great example. In that case, yeah. what are other things that you've seen as you experience what would be quote unquote a failure, but you've been able to pluck out, you know, positive and silver lining kind of stuff? One of the things I learned is for me having two locations was I didn't have the infrastructure within the company to support two locations. So I was stretched too thin, right. which meant I wasn't paying attention to the, some of the really important things and I wasn't present. And so I did a, uh, an event in Gig Harbor probably two or three weeks ago, their Maritime Festival, and I saw a ton of customers that I used to see all the time. And so I took a really deep breath and asked the hard question of, right. I haven't seen you in a while. I'd love to know why. Why? Yeah. Why? Like what happens? Oh, well, when you went to Tacoma, we had no reason to come back. Oh. Oh. Oh, boy. I guess I'm part of the brand. Yeah. I mean, light bulb, of course you are. But right. it's that. It's so obvious, but it's so subtle at the same time. And so rebuilding those relationships, not easy information to hear, but so important because now I know how I have to present the business differently right. for those people that were really part of that relationship of the business that ate the food because of the way it was made. and Sure. So that was a huge piece for me. Um, and then there's the other pieces that just those intangible things, like I'm more engaged in the food making process, so I'm tasting it. And so I know if we got a batch of mustard, that the mustard itself was super, super salty. Right. So it changed the way the meals that were made with mustard tasted like. Right. And I would have overlooked that before yeah. when I was stretched too thin. Sure. But now I eat it and I think, oh, something's weird here. What's right. happened here? So do you have employees making the food or are you doing all that yourself? I'm doing still? that again. You're doing now. that again. So yep. you had employees at I one did. time. Right. 
So it's interesting when you when you when you hire employees and you begin delegating the things that you will one day want employees to do. Yep. So you can do other things, focus on bigger global things. It's interesting what happens when you dive back into those tasks, isn't oh it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. My you know, those blinders were removed and the things you take for granted. I never would have assumed that one bottle of mustard in our case of six, and we're talking gallon mustards, yeah. would taste different than the rest. Right. And so that was just I mean very eye-opening. Right. All those little nuances or, you know, you see six people unsubscribe to your email this week. I know that person. I wonder why they unsubscribed. Right. Well, it turns out that when you ask them, they're sick of getting two because you send it to two mailing lists. Right. Oh, I guess I need to do a, do a little bit of cleanup. Right. And it's just all those things that you take for granted that yeah. you, they really help. It's helped me create the infrastructure of sure. what it needs to be to run a business. Yeah, and and um, one of the things, one of the reasons why uh, I do this podcast is, um, depending on who you listen to, what books you read, everybody says you should spend fifty percent of your time on their thing. So some folks you got to spend fifty percent of your time on prospecting. Some folks you got to spend fifty percent of your time measuring results. You got to spend fifty percent of your time doing sales. You got to spend fifty percent of your time creating relationships and networking uh, or. Uh, you know, working with your employees, or there's only so many 50% out there. Yeah, you're at 300%. <laughs> you're at 642%. <laughs> exactly. You know? And you're not sleeping. And you're not <laughs> sleeping. And this is why people work a billion hours. It's why entrepreneurs, by and large, don't sleep very well and things like that. And their health suffers and their family suffers. Yeah, and yeah. All, all that stuff happens. And, and so it's really important for, again, one of the reasons I do this is for folks to kind of get a fla- flavor for um, where you should be spending your time. So that aside, I'm not saying to spend 50% of your time doing this, but one of the things I would recommend for folks is as you begin to scale, as you begin to hire employees, and you get further and further removed from the actual product, you've got to commit some time to jumping back in there yes. and getting involved in the, in the tasks that are the, the least important to your overall role. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our case, you know, we do plumbing and we fix water lines and stuff like that. Um, it's infinitely valuable for us as owners to go back out there and get our hands dirty again and see things because things change over time things evolve people if you're not there saying here's how we do it people improvise and after a series of improvisations uh you know that that goes two or three years or whatever pretty soon it's improvised look nothing like what it started out looking like and you've got to find that stuff out and so uh i say that knowing that we're all short on time uh, and knowing that this is not going to be something that's up on the top of your list of things to do, but if you have employees and you have scale like that, I, I, you know, just I always recommend to folks get out there and get your hands dirty again, whatever that task is. Even if it's just one day a quarter, or one day a month, whatever you know, whatever you've got to you got to figure it out, and you got to see what your employees are experiencing that's different than what you when you were doing it. Um, yes. Those those roles can change, and, and the rules can change, and, and all that kind of stuff. And the other thing I learned was make sure you know what questions you're asking. Right. When you sit down to do those, when you go to dig in with an employee, because I asked a question that I got a great answer to, but then when I actually went and did it myself to follow up a little bit more, mm-hmm. I found I hadn't asked the right question right. because the answer I got when I did it was a completely different answer. Sure. So it's really about knowing what those pieces of data are that you want right. and getting them. Otherwise, you're getting the wrong picture. Right. And right, right. <laughs> knock your socks off. So we have this. Uh, we have two things in. So one, you you've got the lesson with opening a second location. You were entirely spread too thin for. You weren't prepared for that as far as your infrastructure in the, in the, of the company. Correct. There's only one U, and you needed two point five U's at that point to to make that happen, uh-huh. right? Um, and so now looking forward, 
I'm sure you're already kind of envisioning what that would look like if you did it again. And you kind of know now what, what that's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, you, go, you went through a rebranding after a year and a half in because um, you learned some things about your brand that you didn't think about beforehand. I which sure again, welcome, welcome to be an entrepreneur, right? This is, this is part of the deal. It's the real life. I love so it. So you got two things there that, that are, for, for some folks, would be like, okay, well, that's two failures. And you're still sitting here going, nope, those are experiences. And so, you know, that's that's fantastic mindset for you. I'm super happy to hear you say that because, you know, we need it. We need to hear, we need to be reminded of that kind of stuff. Someone said to me last week that she had read in a book, and I'm not quite sure where she got it, but it was so profound. I don't think I'll ever forget it. Expect nothing and accept everything. Right. And I thought, oh, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Because the moment I have an expectation it's not going to be met right. because either the situation was different or my expectation was not appropriate for the situation. Right. But if I accept everything, then it's just an experience that I can grow from and yeah. I just learn and right. move forward. Right. Um, you, you mentioned earlier asking your customers why they unsubscribed from your list and why they stopped buying food from you and things like that. Um, this is why I tell folks to not put owner on your business card. I don't believe you're going to oh. get as honest an answer if it says that you're the owner. Again, people don't want to tell you you have an ugly baby. Um, but if you say, I'm babysitting this baby, I'm a nanny for this baby, what do you think? They're, oh, geez, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you the truth then, right? Um, same thing for your business. If, what a if, cool piece of information. If you tell them you're the owner, they're going to filter that through, how bad do I want to hurt this person's feelings? And they're going to gauge their honesty based on that. So we don't ever refer to ourselves as the owner. People know we are. They learn, they learn our story and they learn who we are and things like that. Um, but uh, when I'm out meeting folks, I never tell people I'm the owner. I always tell them I'm the manager or a manager. And then um, um, when I meet them later on and say, how are we doing? They're just talking to an employee. They don't, they're not worried about hurting my feelings. My job is to have my feelings hurt. If I'm the general manager, that's what I'm here for, right? Uh, I get much better. I feel I get much better on- honest answers or much more honest answers, I should say, um, by doing that. But again, I know you know when you're you're a sole proprietor and you're you're the only person. Yep. You know it's it's a different story. Then you you know you, as you scale though, that's one of the things I would recommend for you is to un unplug that owner title from your business. I card. think that's phenomenal advice. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Um, okay, so then but you've had some success too. It hasn't all I been do. all been sorrow, right? You've you've had some fun things that happened. And I should also mention that uh, when you're in Bremerton shipyards. Um, you didn't just do nuclear engineering. You also did uh, leadership training, process improvement stuff, um, which for those of you who've heard more than two of these podcasts know what a geek I can get on process <laughs> improvement. So I'll spare the folks uh, listening that. Um, but one of the things that w- um, it's interesting compared to what you said earlier, um, measuring results. So you knew specifically, and I'm guessing you probably charted this or something like that. I love Excel. H- how many, <laughs> how many, yeah, Excel's my favorite uh, application for sure. How many people per week were unsubscribing from your email and things like that. T- talk about in, in an industry that has nothing to do with process improvement to the average person listening. Uh-huh. What, what those, th- what were what you measuring? What are your KPIs? How'd you decide what they are? Why do they matter? So, what I thought they were going in are actually different than what I measure. I thought going in they would be number of meals I sold or uh, number of customers that walked through the door. But that is important for the bottom line. Mm-hmm. But I think the true KPI for me is that networking and that connection because I've learned that my revenue comes, so, not solely, 99.9% from word of mouth business. 
Gotcha. So it's who am I meeting and what are they hearing? Right. And how are they hearing it? Because I can say something, but it might not be what, what they hear might not be what I intended for them to hear. Right. So following up and building that relationship and helping them understand right. how we work together. So that's been, much to my surprise, probably the most important thing for me. Am I sitting behind my desk and banging out emails, right. thinking I'm doing something? Right. Or am I getting out there meeting people and putting a face to a name and having a real conversation? Because right. that's where the rubber meets the road. And there's a simple test to figure out if you're doing the right thing. And what's that test? The, the test is if, it, if you're uncomfortable doing it, you're doing the right thing. Uh, Yes. If if you if you're comfortable sitting behind your computer banging on your on your Excel spreadsheet and you feel really comfortable measuring your results, but the thought of going out and meeting somebody new to sell your product makes you feel squeamish inside, it, then that's the right thing to then be you doing. You need to walk out the door. Then you need to walk out, the, out like you said, get get your butt outside and get to work, right? Well, and that's when I found that I make the big sales. Right. When you're sitting down and they're not going to say, "Oh, I want to try a meal for eighteen dollars," they'll right. say, "Can you sign me up for this?" And right there, if you've got hundreds of dollars of sale, right. Okay, that was worth my two hours. Yeah, so absolutely. much more right. than just trying to put another Facebook ad out, right? Or send an email to someone that you've never met before. That's probably going to delete your email because they don't know who you are and they yeah. don't care. Yeah. And so that's been one of the biggest learning pieces for me is coming from the aspect of strategic planning was this book that you created and put on the shelf and you stepped through, right? Page by page. That's not real life. Yeah. And the other thing with with going out and meeting folks and and. Uh, making active sales is you learn why they're saying no or at least yes. why they say they're saying no mm -hmm. why, you know uh, those aren't always the same thing when their real no might not be the written one they give you they're always you know 76 percent of the time going to say it's too expensive it doesn't matter what your product or service is they're going to say it's too, exp it's too expensive but most time that's not true most time they don't see the value or they don't they don't think they need it or you know whatever um but you won't even know what those other answers are that are probably more honest if you're not out eyeball to eyeball with the customer making a sale, you just sit behind your desk and you make your assumptions and you make completely incorrect decisions based on your completely incorrect assumptions. <laughs> so true. And, and unless you're out seeing people and knowing what they're thinking, when you're, when, what's their body reaction, you know, what's their body language when you present this thing to them? Are they, are they like, geez, get me out of here? Are they like interested? And they, they see the price and they kind of, you know, their, their face changes. I mean, you can't measure it. You can't see that stuff sitting behind a desk. You and have you, to get out. And you can't ask the question of, oh, I didn't expect you to react that way. Right. And then you can have that real, that conversation that's part of the emotional piece that yeah. gives people the insight behind right. what's actually happening up here. Right. And when they say no, um, you, there's no rule that says you can't say, okay, I appreciate you considering this. Can I ask you to just be completely honest with me and tell me why? And if you're sitting like face to, to face, they I, will. I, yeah. And most times they will. If you're yeah. just completely transparent and say, you know, I, I appreciate you taking the time to consider this. I know it's not a good fit for you. I'm not going to ask you to buy it anymore. I, I had my shot. But can you just be completely honest with me and tell me what it is about the product that you didn't like so I can try to improve it for moving forward? And I, if you ask that question, people are going to answer that completely honestly, I would guess, at least 80% of the time. And it builds your credibility. Right. They now have connected with you as the human, not you as the business. Right, right, right. So um, you're three years in. You're still you're still early. You're still uh, yeah. Sure a lot I of am. exciting things ahead of you. Yeah. Um, what if you could tell if you were sitting in front of a, a, a graduate uh, class of kids coming out of business school, and they all had their idea they're going to go conquer the world selling their widgets? What would be the number one thing you would tell them to get, to get ready? Um, all the playing in the world probably won't give you what you need. Right. So build your network and trust yourself. Right. And be adaptable. I mean, adaptability is the thing that 
the fluidity. It's that go with the flow and the, oh, you know, purple's not working, but they want blue. Let's give them blue. Let's right. see, let's figure out how to do this. And so just that ability to change the fly and take nothing personal. Yes. Because it's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah. I, that, you know, that you mentioned, that would, I don't know if it'd be number one, but it'd certainly be in the top five. Don't take anything personally. Um, it doesn't matter the situation. If, if I extracted myself out of it and put John Doe into it, who had the same title as me, the person would treat them exactly the same. It yes. has nothing to do with me. Nope. Nothing. And it has nothing to do. It's not, you know, just, but again, we're people, so we, we, so we forget that in the moment. That's exactly true. <laughs> and I had something else, but it seems to have escaped me. So well, you important. mentioned something like uh, agility. Just, you know, you have a strategic plan, and uh, some folks are either completely reckless with that, and yeah, it's the plan, but we're going to do whatever we're going to do today. That we're just going to, today's Tuesday, so we're not, we're doing this. Uh-huh. Or they're completely rigid, and the plan is the rule book, and you can't deviate. Folks need to find the the middle layer that makes sense for them. That's true. And the other thing that I learned that I I should have mentioned this earlier, I had this image of what my perfect customer was, and the person that walked through the door when I first opened was different. Mm-hmm. And I continued to try to feed this customer when the person walking through the right. door continued to be different. Yeah. And so, even with all the research I've done, my mark, my target market. So knowing who your customer is and who your customer isn't and being okay with it. Right. Holy cow. That would be great information to have learned three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Good, (laughs) good. Well, hey, I'm super excited for you. You're off to a a super, you know, just a a fun path. Uh, You can tell that you're very passionate about what you're doing. You really care about it. Uh, And for those of you listening, I'm sure you gathered that she's probably not, we didn't ask you specifically, but I guess you're not dumping a bunch of, uh, what what's the preservatives? Well, yeah, preservatives and maltodextrin and all whatever that. I don't know. Not a single one. Yeah, yeah. So it's all healthy food. It's all preservative free. It sounds like. It um, is. And uh, uh, so if you're one of those folks who's really busy and you don't have time to make a healthy meal and you're tired of eating fast food, uh, give the Flip Food Company a try. Uh, again, you can reach Abby at Abby A B B I E at flipfoodcompany.com, or just go to flipfoodcompany.com and check out their menu and all the different things they have there. Um, we are trying something a little different this week. We're going to cut this down to about 45 minutes for a few weeks and see how that goes. Um, I've been doing research recently on, uh, what makes a good podcast. And, and, uh, one of the things that I read, uh, over and over and over again was, uh, we as human beings have a shorter attention span than we did five years ago and certainly 10 years ago. And, uh, so 40, 45 minutes is kind of a, a sweet spot that many folks, uh, say to aim for. So we're going to give that a shot for a few weeks and see how it goes. And, uh, let me know if you like that change. If you don't like that change, you can, again, send me an email at brian at brianlharding.com. And, uh, again, you can go to brianlharding.com or growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com and check out, um, all the different ways to hear our podcast. And, uh, you can listen to back episodes in a couple different formats there. Uh, next week we're going to have on Paul Long and Abby kind of talked about this a little bit, but we're going to talk about a little bit more as far as, uh, branding yourself, um, in ways to stand out against your competition. Not only do you have to brand your company, of course, but you have to brand yourself as a, as a person and a, and a, a knowledgeable person. And Paul Long with uh, Timberland Bank is an expert at that. We'll, you'll hear all about that next week so tune in for that abby thank you very much for coming on again it was awesome to have you i'd like to put one more quick plug yeah please i want to start using a lot more local ingredients so if anyone knows a local farmer or a local institution like a hospital or school that wants to use local meals give me a shout that's awesome that local is delicious yeah i agree and and uh healthier too i suspect yes 
It's amazing, the yeah. difference, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, get that information to her at abby at uh, flipfoodcompany.com if you have it. And uh, that's all for today, folks. Uh, folks, thanks a lot for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Oh, thank you.